Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Teasdale, and today I have with me uh, a friend and a former colleague and a great guy in Steve Hill, who is the commercial director of Auticon, and we'll hear a bit more about that going forward. Uh, but also a children's author uh, with the uh, his character, Jenny Many, who uh, is a very interesting piece that we're going to delve into a little bit today. So first of all, welcome, Steve. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for saying that you're going to come on the show. So it's brilliant to have you. Um, what I'd like to do just before we get kicked off in terms of learning about what you're doing now and, and what's going on in your world in terms of helping people perform, what's your background? What's got you here in the first place? Uh, so off-paste is probably the uh, the, the kind of uh, headline. So I... I um, I started my own business quite young, uh, carried that on for sort of 12, 13 years, and much to my wife's disappointment at the time, uh, kind of took a, a look forward and thought if I'm doing the same thing in 10 years, um, is that gonna is that gonna provide the same sort of level of, of stimulation um and excitement? And and the short answer was no, because I'd sort of done what I wanted to do. Um I basically created from a spare bedroom and you know we kind of grew to having a an office in obviously the UK but also in Singapore had some lovely clients uh, had our own building we were very self-contained we were an agency so the next level up was actually to get into that kind of um, that slightly vulnerable middle ground and to increase I guess the level of um, exposure potentially, and I didn't really want to do that. I'd never sort of put my house up and, and things like that. So long story short, managed to um, sort of uh, pass pass the business into the hands of, of my co-directors over a period of time. Uh, didn't intend to, to kind of go into the corporate world, was going to take a bit of time out, which I, I did, but not as much as I'd like. To really figure out what I, what I was going to do, what the next kind of opportunity, what the next project, or even the next business was, was going to be, um, but um, I, I did a lot of work uh, in my business for for big um, tier one techs uh, and banks and financial services. Uh, one of which was sort of IBM, and ended up um, joining IBM and and sort of went into what was at the time a really cool. A really cool part of IBM, which had some of the the real emerging technology, such as mobile um, and some of the the historical uh, data services and, and things like that. Um, but went into to look after two of the top twenty one accounts at the time and and loved it. It was uh, it was a very big contrast, obviously being a hundred mm-hmm. plus year old tech company to to my own, but in in some ways. And, and actually all big companies, you, you're still part of a small a small team. Yeah. And so you know, you've, you've got different reporting lines, but, but but effectively it was it was great. After that, spent some time at um, Samsung. And then uh, as we both know, I, I spent a full, 
nearly a four-year period at, um, at McLaren uh, before joining Autocon uh, about 18 months ago. So, uh, again, potted history. And in between time, uh, discovered that writing books for kids was not only the hardest thing I'd ever done, but was actually a good way originally of, of trying to help my son when he was first diagnosed with dyslexia. So that's that's my kind of potted and a lot of piece history. Fantastic. And yeah, as, as you say, we we first met in our, our days at McLaren Applied Technologies. Um, so just remind us, what, what is it you did at, uh, when you were at McLaren? So fundamentally, it was, it was trying to take some of the capabilities, the know-how, uh, some of the actual uh, products and um, and uh, software tools, effectively, uh, that for the most part were were created um, to either support or part of the, the kind of Formula One journey, and really take that understanding and, and apply that to other sectors. And in my case, it was the transport sector. So really looking at uh, other, well, looking at fleets of assets and understanding how to baseline the performance and, and optimise performance um, from a, a position of data collection, offboarding, augmentation, simulation, modelling, in order to predict uh, a different outcome. Uh, so amazing people, um, amazing technology, love the transport sector. There's obviously a load of, uh, a wealth of opportunities to be had there. Um, but when the opportunity with Autocon came up, as cool as McLaren was, um, it was a bit of a no-brainer purely because of my personal connection and my son and and autism. Um, although my son wasn't uh, isn't autistic, he's dyslexic, which forms part of the, the kind of neurodiversity definition, if you like. Right. And so Richard Branson, I, I followed avidly, and so Autocom was always on on the sidelines and, and sort of hit my radar when Richard Branson Virgin Group invested in Autocom, and when the opportunity came up. To join it was that personal connection which really made it a bit of a no-brainer for me yeah fantastic and, and it's always great to be have that personal connection with the organizations that you work for and uh, uh, i can think of no sort of more noble cause than um, the, the work that autocon is doing so tell us a bit more about autocon what is it and, uh, and what what services are provided so autocon is um first and foremost it's a social enterprise so it's not not a charity and the, I guess the great thing about that, rather than you know a, a typical um, a typical business, is that everything that we do is very much driven by our social mission, which I guess really falls into two parts. So the first part is very much geared to providing long term career opportunities for autistic adults. Um, the, the the numbers, uh, and this isn't just a UK stat; it's fairly static across the kind of Western world, really, but. Only about 22% of autistic adults are in full-time employment. And within that 22%, that also includes people that are underemployed, i.e. they're in roles that don't actually correlate to their, their experience or their training or their, their aspirations. And so that's a big untapped you know, pool of talent. And so when we started and when we were formed uh, just over 10 years ago, we were really born out of uh, a parent's concern and anxiety over the future of their child's employment prospects so we literally started um, out of a, a basement uh, with our founder and his son becoming um, an IT consulting business so very much a traditional IT consulting firm so now you know we, we employ uh, in total just about 
about 350. It's changing all the time, 350 people, of which maybe 275 are uh, diagnosed autistic adults as IT consultants. So we work with you know, major organisations to help augment their technology and IT projects, mainly in the, in the um, areas of uh, data science, data engineering, data analysis. Also, cybersecurity is, is, a, is a good one for us. And also software engineering and, and QA. And I guess the reason why we've sort of stayed in that particular lane is because along with autism, quite often comes uh, above average cognitive abilities. Right. So coming back to my point about the, you know, the employment rates and underemployment rates to autistic adults, we use a profile or a CV um, very much as a starting point because they can be quite patchy. Right. Because what we find is that autistic adults, you know, they may uh, job hop, they may not have had great success in employment full stop. And so what we do is really try and understand what that person could or should be doing. So we obviously look at the, the kind of at the academic background. Uh, we test for cognitive abilities. So, you know, things like uh attention to detail pattern matching error detection periods of sustained concentration and quite often with with people that have that slant towards stem based subjects they're often uh, uh often have above average cognitive abilities in those areas and so by effectively testing for that and understanding what that person wants to do and could be doing we start to get an understanding of the types of projects that we can actually uh, put those consultants forward for, not just from a technology or a, a content perspective, but also in terms of the culture and the, the size of the team. Is, is the project uh, business as usual? Is it an innovation project or is it something that actually requires um, you know, some, some innovation input and things like that so that we can get the right the right character and right cultural fit as as much as the technology fit as well and the, the commercial fit. So that's really where we've grown up over the last yeah. 10 years. Uh, I guess that the second part, going back to our social mission, is, is maybe a little bit broader, actually. And that really comes down to really creating awareness and um, education around neurodiversity and, and obviously autism being part of that. Right. And so, th again, this this really came about as a result of working with with you know our clients over the last 10 years because there's a lot of fear there's a lot of misunderstanding there's a lot of trepidation a lot of anxiety in the workplace and so from that perspective Paul I think you know we are very much in the in, you know, unofficially in in the fear and risk mit mitigation business because right. there's there is a lot of fear of doing the wrong thing saying the wrong thing so it's actually easier to, to do nothing it's probably fair to say that neurodiversity has played runner-up to to that of gender and uh, race in terms of the the DNI space, but that's changing, which is which is great. But it's about creating that awareness and education around neurodiversity, such that we can help organisations on that path to neuroinclusion. And what I mean by that is that you know as we've you know worked with our clients over you know years or, or, or months, whatever. It, happens to be in, in individual instances quite often we're asked can we help that organization to recruit uh, their own neurodiverse staff and of course the answer is yes mm. but we we take a different position and say well 
let's look at your internal culture to start with, because if you're an organization of size, given that you know about 20% of um, the population has a, a, a neurodiverse condition, you're going to have some people uh, within your organization that are neurodiverse or indeed you know, autistic or, or, or both clearly. And so it's really about creating that culture so that people can feel comfortable to disclose. But equally, it's about providing the tools for not only HR and, and DNI teams, but, but actually line managers to better support those individuals. Right. So hence the awareness, the, the, the education starts. And really, from a, a consulting point of view, yes, we provide a commercial advantage because, yeah, as, as you know, there is a global shortage of mm-hmm. data analysts, data engineers, data scientists, cybersecurity analysts. So we're, we're kind of tapping into that rich seam of gold. But, but we do a bit more than that. And, and that is to turn that kind of lived experience into a case study to show that by working with Autocom by having a consultant as part of the team, of which we pair each of our consultants with a job coach right. who aren't technical. They're not project managers. But they are. They all have a background in clinical psychology. They really act as a bridge between the consultant and the client. Right. And that really helps to, uh, to embed that person in the project. Uh, and they will talk about you know, minor accommodations, for example, again, along with autism and some of the cognitive uh, strengths. Maybe there are some, there is a, a flip side where, you, again, generalizing, but people may need a little bit of extra processing time. Right. Um, they may you know, be very, very honest um, in situations. And so an environment of interviews, for example, isn't the best place for that person to shine. You know, they are a shop window and typically, you know, questions are fired at individuals, you know, long periods of processing time aren't necessarily considered acceptable. And so all of those types of communication aspects are addressed. And we stand behind our consultants and none of our consultants are are interviewed uh, by our clients. But it's about making sure that those minor accommodations, um, which could be things such as camera on, camera off in, you know, Teams or Zoom calls, for right. example, publishing yep. an agenda for a call, not having things hit the diary within or, or meetings within an hour uh, and things like that. But also a lot of um, autistic adults have hyper or hypo sensitivities, things like lights or sound or touch. So in an office environment, we do a, a kind of a, an, an office or environmental assessment just to just kind of understand those sorts of things so that each one individually is is typically not a big deal put them all together and actually address those it makes a huge difference and actually what we say is that yes we're coming at this through the lens of neurodiversity but these things apply to everyone who wouldn't want um you know, a tailored approach to an onboarding on a project or or when you're starting a new role in an organization, you know, it's what we want to do is to make sure that everything is is sort of tabled, i.e. that our consultant knows who they're going to be talking to on a daily basis and working with. They have a a kind of a pseudo uh, work buddy or or mentor um, in the team. And this is just, you know, someone that can answer quick fire questions of, you know, where's the canteen or how do I access XYZ um, tool or, or whatever it may be? Right. And so 
by having that understanding, by having a timetable for the first two or three weeks of a project start, it just removes that anxiety and fear. Um, and so we turn that lived experience into a case study where we can turn around to the organisation and literally say, you know, this is what we've done. This is how we've done it. It's not a big, scary thing. Mm. Um, we'd like, to, we'd absolutely love to provide you with more consultants, but we're ultimately more we're more invested in trying to help that organization on that path to your inclusion so that eventually they can um, be in a position to attract, recruit, retain and develop their own neurodiverse staff. Being a social enterprise, we measure our social impact. We publish a social impact report every year. And it's really important to us that we, we can credibly measure the difference that we're, we're making, not only in the workplace, but with the number of, uh, autistic adults that that we employ, not just here with Autocon in the UK, but across the nine nine other countries in which we operate currently um, right. across the globe. Fantastic. I mean, there's some some brilliant stories in there. I think there's a couple of things that really come to mind with me, and and I've listened to the the podcast as well, the um, In Conversation uh, podcast, which is a, a fantastic one to check out as well for for people who autism in conversation with Autocon. Is that right? It is indeed, yeah. yeah Thanks yeah. for the plug, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate that. All good, all good. Big up the podcasters out there. Um, but there's, in terms of bringing it back to this theme of helping people people perform, I love the multi-layered element of this. So you're you're helping um, your consultants perform by making sure they're in an environment that isn't exclusive or excludes them uh, because of things um, that affect them uh, and affect their own performance. So you're uh, providing a simple framework to help make sure that that environment and that um, that setup is right to help them perform. But you're also providing the sort of generic, typical consulting um, uh, outcome, which is you're going to help the business perform by working on specific actionable pro- uh, projects and problems. Um, but you also talk about the social enterprise element as well. So you're helping the uh, the business perform from its social aspect as well. So the multiple layers of, of performance that you're you're really going out there. I, absolutely. And I think that there's maybe a, a, a slight addition to that as well in the sense that, you know, teams that have uh, or diverse teams that have different perspectives typically do perform better yeah. because of those different perspectives. And I think, you know, certainly we've had um, examples where our consultants have gone in to a project and and added immense value over and above, you know, the commercial value of providing, you know, data analysts or data science skills. You know, this is is about perspective and looking at things differently. I think, you know, one of the common misperceptions of, or misconceptions rather, of, of autism and autism, the autism spectrum is that it is linear. Um, it, it, and that would suggest that at one end, you've got someone that isn't very autistic. And at the other end, you've got mm-hmm. someone who is very autistic. Yeah. It's not that at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, coming back to those cognitive strengths, we, we talk about things like spiky profiles and, and, and language is constantly changing. But it's every every autistic person is different. And so every autistic person has, you know, different nuances, different, like, like we all do. I mean, you yeah. could argue that you know, everyone is neurodiverse to, to a greater or lesser extent in some ways. Yeah. But the important point here is that, you know, a lot of organisations, you know, they have their, their traditional recruitment methods. They look for a certain type of person, whether they're in financial services, whether they're in professional services or consulting. And arguably, if you, if you 
look for a certain type of person, you're going to get the same type of results. And yeah. so one of the things that, that we advocate is to have that healthy mix of um, diversity within the team, because actually then the overall performance of the team goes up. Coming back to just some really basic examples that, that I was sort of alluded to earlier, Paul, in the sense that, you know, when we do some of that initial onboarding and awareness training with, with the project team, you know, we, we, we sort of make a point to say, you know, if you're going to put a, a stand-up call or a project review call in the diary, could, could you just publish a, a very short agenda? But also, could you, um, could you use clear and unambiguous communication when you're issuing instructions? Hmm. And these are things, you know, if, if, if someone says, do the best you can and come back to me when you've had a look at it, yeah. you know, these are things that, you know, we've all experienced in day-to-day language. But to someone with autism, it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's about being clear and unambiguous, but also it's about communicating some of the unwritten rules of the office, you know, mm. uh, coming back to the stand-up call, the project review call, it's, is our, is our consultant expected to, you know, to present, to question, to, mm. to be in listen-only mode? And what we find is just with those kind of little examples of which obviously there, there are more, but the actual performance and the dynamics between the team actually improves as a result of just, in, you know, putting in place some of these very basic things, mm. uh, which is great to see before you even talk about different perspectives, different backgrounds, different ideas, different, you know, technical um, and academic backgrounds. It's uh, it's really fascinating to see. Yeah. Oh, and one of the points that always comes across on the podcast and in this conversation that we've just had as well is that this is just generally good practice stuff, isn't it? Who wouldn't want that level of clarity? Um, But what I take from it is by having that level of clarity and that level of um, individual uh, focus on what's going to help you perform and and what's going to hinder your performance, um, you're always going to get the best out of people and you're going to get people in that you wouldn't necessarily have got in before because you, you're opening up your your mindset you're opening up your business to a much more diverse group of people who can provide immense value to your business and, uh, and mix the whole thing up so it's a uh, it's fantastic uh, absolutely i mean i i would um at this point quote our uk ceo who is uh, a fantastic human being um don't tell him i said that but um, <laughs> i mean one of his one of his phrases, um, which I, I love actually, and I, I do plagiarise it, but credit him at the same time, but is, you know, we all, everyone wants to be accepted for who they are and appreciated for the work that they do. And I think that's something which subliminally is, is kind of baked into our ethos. Yeah. And that's that really comes across when we're, when we're trying to work with organisations that do, or maybe are on that beginning of the journey and do have some of that, natural fear and um kind of trepidation uh by embarking on this journey yeah. and don't worry steve it won't go beyond these four walls fantastic <laughs> thank you um so we mentioned earlier on jenny many so what's jenny many all about tell us a bit about that so the, the, what 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 is is really interesting to me paul is that you know sometimes you, you you know, you, you kind of get out the gate, you, you've got your kind of mental um, career path in mind. And then, you know, things come along which completely, prov- well, completely put you off your, your intended course, but actually provide opportunities along the way as well. And so for me, 
you know, my my uh, youngest son was diagnosed uh, as dyslexic. Um, he's a bit older now and just heading into his second year of A-levels. But when he was first diagnosed, obviously, we, we got him some help with, with, with that. But it was more the... It was more the, um, uh, I guess, the, the psychological aspects of not feeling able to be a, well to, to to be able to read in front of his class and being, I guess, not necessarily ostracised is, is not the right term, but very self conscious uh, in terms of his peer group. And so, you know, one of the things I, I, I tried to do was to, to remove that fear of reading and look for another way for him to still get enjoyment from stories and to consume stories without necessarily, you know, forcing him to sit down and read. And one of the things that we, we literally did for, you know, a bit of fun was to, you know, come up with some story ideas with characters being based on family members and, and things like that, which just sort of, it was related to obviously the, the kind of core issue, but it was coming at it from a very different angle. And so, you know, things improved. He got older and um, the, the original concept for me didn't go away because I thought, actually, if we if we we did this in our own very modest way within our kind of own four walls and our household, then maybe this, there's something here to, to actually expand upon. So my, my sort of part time hobby, if you like, over the last few years has really been to uh, create a, a more robust character set we were now fast forward a few years into the future you know we were in a position where we've got uh two twenty three thousand words or thereabouts full stories uh, narrated by Gemma Whelan who's a UK actress she was Yara Greyjoy in Game of Thrones and she's been in The Crown and, and other things as well um and we've we've kind of really developed a character set based on peer groups, friendships, communication, and some of the kind of good hearty stuff. We're not about demonizing technology or anything like it. It's, it's kind of using technology for good. It's a window to the world and, you know, f fantastic. And But what we wanted to try and do was to really put some soft learning objectives and to tackle some of the, I guess, some of the things that um, from the dyslexic example, um, kids face when they're going through you know those kind of formative years at school whether it's you know, falling out with friends or you know cyber security we, we tackle various subjects but sense you know sensitively and, and hopefully elegantly in, in the stories mm -hmm. but it's also about helping kids to to find their authentic ambition and to, to be able to do that it starts with the parents arguably so the genuine stories aren't just for the, the kids. The actual proposition is aimed at parents and caregivers and grandparents, extended family members to say, well, hold on a second. Is success at school predicated on exam success? Because, you know, neurodiverse individuals or people with dyslexia or dyscalculia or whatever, maybe exams aren't a good reflection of that person's skill or ability because mm -hmm. it's a, it's a one-dimensional way of testing someone's, uh, you know, ability to, to recall information, yeah. you know, which maybe isn't the best. And so you, you take that to the next kind of logical point, which says, well, is financial success the only measure of uh, an individual's success in, in, in life? And I think well, bottom line is probably not. I mean, you know, it's far more important for me, certainly as a parent, that my children 
end up doing something that they are happy doing that stimulates them that gives them that kind of purpose yeah. as opposed to keeping score with how much money they make on an annual basis and so the proposition really is is about trying to shift the dynamic a little bit um and also you know i've got two boys they they kind of went through the playstation xbox kind of phase of being in their bedrooms socializing you know over 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 the airways playing games and stuff like that and so again we're not demonizing that but it's about trying to also encourage kids to 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 get out there and try stuff and by virtue of that encourage their parents to try and encourage their kids to get out there and try stuff you know life is a a bit of a tasting menu particularly at that age where how do you know if you if you could be the next ballet dancer or graffiti artist or, or whatever the example is, and unless you've had the opportunity to try it. Now, obviously, there are some you know, barriers to that, potentially, in some aspects, <laughs> financially or whatever, but it's, it's the principle of just trying to shape and change that, um, that, that attitude, really, from a parental perspective. Oh, love it. And I, I've checked out the website. I think, it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. And as my daughter in particular grows up, I, I'm going to be uh, going through that a lot, I believe, over the, the next couple of years. So I'm really looking forward to, to following her journey through the Jenny Many uh, universe, should we say, because it is expanding quite rapidly as well, isn't it? And, and growing from not only the books, but the website and the games and, and all the other things that are associated with it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, with this, the project was never designed to uh, or or never focused on selling, you know, hundreds or thousands or, or, you know, whatever number of copies of of audiobooks. And actually, we we just released a a series of short stories which are available on the website for free download because it's we, we want to we want to provide value and be authentic in the message. And that means just trying to give as much as we can. Uh, to people for free and provide that value as well so oh, fantastic Re- some great really good stuff there and uh love the just written down on my, my pad here about fear mitigation so i think autocon and the jenny many story for me is is about mitigating people's fears or uh both from a business perspective as to what what the risks or perceived risks might be around um, having more neurodiversity in the, in the business. It's about mitigating um, those consultants' fears uh, in terms of stop that might be preventing them from going into the work uh, environment that they are at the moment. And much with the Jenny Many stories about you know, making sure that those internal fears almost are, are, are mitigated from you know what's out there, what uh, what can be done, how can you think about things differently. So uh, re- real common theme that I just wrote down there. I couldn't help but make some notes for myself. So uh, just next uh, sort of section of the podcast then, your performance. So how do you up your game? Who do you go to? Where do you go when you want help uh, with your own performance? And it's a really great question, Paul. I mean, uh, aside from, you know, the the, the kind of standard answer of friends and family i think for me it's always about keeping the good stuff coming in um and i like to think that i'm you know overall a, a half glass full type of person but you know everyone has good days and bad days and, and things like that so for me it's it's looking and and really obtaining clues from people that are successful or you know highly motivated or inspirational and so for me podcasts you know 
when riding my bike or you know driving the car and stuff like that you know listening to to various kind of people so people like tim ferris or you know tony robbins or gary vaynerchuk each with maybe a slightly different angle or, or stance on things hmm. but for me it is literally as basic as trying to keep the good stuff coming in because it can there's there's always value there's never a magic silver bullet to to you know being on your a game as, as, as yeah. much as you can be but it's just about trying to absorb, you know, the clues of what successful people are doing and then mm. taking some of that as by way of inspiration. Fantastic. A great, great lesson for any of us really is, uh, you know, you don't have to be, you can learn from those big names and those people who are, who are known for being inspirational out there, but you can take that inspiration from anyone at, at any time, can't you, in yeah. terms of what can help you up your game just by being a bit different um, by, by looking at, what's working for other people and thinking how could i adapt that to my own game exactly and i think for, for me it's, it's always about you know trying to consistently keep learning mm. as well no no one's got it down you know we're here for without getting too philosophical but we're, we're only here for a very short period of time you know let's try and make the best of everything and every day and you know focus on on keeping or, or trying to be better uh tomorrow as we were yesterday fantastic love it um, so a couple of quick fire questions uh, as we cl- close things out. So one thing I like to ask people is if you could be helping anybody perform with your skill set, with your company or your your, your endeavours that you're doing, um, that you're currently not helping, for instance, who would that be and why? So, again, it's a great question. I think ultimately if, if, with my Autocon hat on, it would be, it would be public sector. It would be, you know, government departments. And I think the reason for that is that um, there is a great shift and a great acknowledgement by, you know, government departments for, for neurodiversity. But I think that there's an element of um, being able to accelerate some of that and actually be putting into practice, yeah. you know, some of the things that are, are being preached. And and so for me, that's that's a great area because obviously government employer of a lot of people there is a massive um you know digital transformation happening in multiple areas within government as you would expect all the time and so for us it really helps to to embed that not only taking government policy and sort of you know reinforcing that in terms of practicalities but it, it really helps that kind of long-term cultural shift and actually when you think about um the disparity in terms of number of people uh, being full-time employed with autism yep. you know, if you think about the scale and depth and breadth of government departments it's well outside of IT you know yep. our aspiration as a business is to ultimately not just keep in our lane within the IT sector but if you think about um, department for the environment that there's so many different departments that could maybe open their doors to having neurodiverse employees and I think, you know, we'd love to be part of that journey in our own sort of modest way. Fantastic. Love it. Um, and flipping that on, on its head, if you were able to sit down, have a coffee, have a one-to-one chat with an individual or group of individuals that you think could really inspire you to help your own performance, who might that be? So there's a couple of answers to this. And and, and the first one, without sounding, um, you know, really... Uh, really cheesy for want of a better word but you know it, it's our consultants um 
whenever whenever I have the you know the, the opportunity to to go in the office and and speak to them and, and uh, they're just amazing people and and actually you know some of their personal stories and you know backstories uh, are very humbling and so I think you know from a, a, a very specific day to day aspect having having that is such a motivator it's so inspirational to keep doing what we're doing and and the reasons that we're we're obviously doing it i think from a uh, i guess a more or a wider perspective it would come back to you know folks that maybe i've mentioned and you know imagine sitting down with tony robbins gary vaynerchuk and you know tim ferris and and some of these guys who are you know amazingly inspirational in, in their own fields and just having the ability to sort of pluck information as to, you know, what makes them successful? What are the things that they've done? What are the things they've tried? And actually hear about their failures as well, yeah. which ultimately has led to the successes. And something that, you know, we, we don't necessarily talk about enough is how good failure is in mm-hmm. terms of the stepping stone to to actually you know, the, the successful outcome that you were hopefully intending in the first place yeah yeah if you want to perform you, you have to try and try leads to failure doesn't it so being able to go through that failure and learn from it and uh keep that resilience in place has always been a, a key interest of mine as well so absolutely oh um well just before we wrap things up then um how do people find out more so we've got autocon we've got jenny many we've got you as an individual how do we find out more where do we go to so uh, autocon.co.uk is, is a great starting point in terms of our, our website. Um, my email address is steve.hill at autocon.co.uk. Um, obviously, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, there isn't too many Steve Hills on LinkedIn, so hopefully I should be easily findable. But also from a Jenny Many perspective, it's uh, the website's jennymenny.com. So uh, lots of games, free stories to download, uh, and hopefully some inspiration uh, in there as well. Fantastic. So, and just for clarity, that's J E N N Y M N M A N Y dot com dot com. It is indeed. I'll put all the links in the uh, in the notes, etc., as we go through with the uh, um, releasing the podcast as well. So, Steve, as always, an absolute pleasure to chat. Um, I think on the theme of helping people perform, I can't think of a more sort of noble and multi-layered cause that's going on there so wherever I go at the moment and if I'm seeing the opportunities to either point people in the direction of Autocon uh, point people in the direction of Jenny Many um, or just to spread the word in terms of the the podcast that's out there and the the value that's out for everybody really to up their performance through having a better mindset more open mindset towards neurodiversity and embracing uh, individuals for what they can bring i think uh, if we can get that story out there then that's going to be a fantastic thing that's very kind of you paul and uh, yeah thank you for having me always a pleasure fantastic steve thanks very much we'll see you again bye for now cheers thanks for listening to today's episode if you liked what you heard then please give the podcast a rate review and share i'm paul teasdale and from sausage making to banking oil and gas to formula one I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.